Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is engineering and producing today's program. Today we'll talk with Laura Adams. She is a safety analyst at driversed.com. She's going to offer some expert tips and advice on how to stay safe on the road, particularly through the winter months. We'll also talk with Gary Hemingway, who is the music director of the Gospel Christmas coming to the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's their 20th year, and the program will reflect that celebration. So we'll talk with Gary uh, later this hour. Then in the five o'clock hour, because this is a day of uh, national mourning. We're going to share excerpts from today's memorial service for Bush 41. Um, so encourage you, if you didn't have the opportunity to watch or listen, uh, there's some, uh, some highlights we'll be sharing with you in the five o'clock hour. Some of the developing news stories of the day, a national day of mourning has been observed in the U.S. today as the nation prepares to say its last farewell to the former President George Herbert Walker Bush at a state funeral at Washington National Cathedral. Special counsel Robert Mueller has recommended a lenient sentence with the possibility of no prison time for Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, citing his substantial help in multiple investigations. China on Wednesday issued a vague statement promising to carry out the tariff ceasefire agreement reached by the uh, presidents Trump and Xi. U.S. stocks on Tuesday plunged 799 points over fears of a recession and confusion over the U.S.-China trade truce. Senate lawmakers went uh, want answers, rather, after the FBI raided the home of an alleged whistleblower who provided documents on the Clinton Foundation and the Uranium One deal to a watchdog. And former CBS CSO, CEO, rather, Les Moonves, obstructed the investigation into sexual misconduct allegations against him, according to a new report. Well, the day has been spent saying farewell to 41. The nation said its final farewell to former President George Herbert Walker Bush as President Trump, four living former presidents and other high-ranking officials and dignitaries from around the world gathered at the Washington National Cathedral to celebrate his life of public service. George W. Bush eulogized his father as well as former U.S. Senator Alan Smith, or rather Simpson, former Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, and uh, presidential historian John Meacham. President Trump is not expected and did not speak, but will, um, uh, along with First Lady Melania Trump, attended that event. Former Presidents Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, and Jimmy Carter, they attended along with their former First Ladies, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Rosalind Carter. Also, uh, by invitation only in the crowd, uh, Mike Lovejoy, a Kenny Bunkport electrician and fix-it man who, was worked, uh, who had worked with Bush's main summer estate since 1990. After the state funeral, uh, the president was then flown back to Texas, where he'll lie in repose at St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston until tomorrow morning's funeral there. He will be laid to rest at the George Herbert Walker Bush Presidential Library Center in College Station, Texas. Special counsel Robert Mueller filed a memorandum on Tuesday recommending a lenient sentence with the possibility of no prison time for convicted former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and stating that Flynn has offered substantial help to investigators about several ongoing investigations. The heavily redacted memo released uh, came uh, as additional sentencing memoranda are expected within days in the cases of former Trump attorney Michael Cohen and ex-campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Rudy Giuliani, the president's attorney, downplayed the memo, calling Mueller's team sick puppies and arguing alleged Russian collusion still had not been proven. He told um, 
news outlets that Flynn uh, had admitted to offenses comparable to uh, spitting on the sidewalk. And China has issued an optimistic promise to carry out the terms of the tariff ceasefire reached by the two presidents of each respective country last weekend at the G20 summit, but has not succeeded in clearing up any confusion about the deal. A commerce ministry statement on Wednesday said China will start from implementing specific issues on which consensus has been reached and the sooner the better. The statement gave no indication what those issues are. China has yet to confirm the the, uh, U.S. president's claim that Beijing promised to cut auto tariffs and immediately buy more American farm goods. That fueled the confusion and doubt on Wall Street that led to U.S. stocks plunging on Tuesday. The New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ will be closed today. Rather, Eastern time, they have been closed in observance of the National Day of Mourning for former President George Herbert Walker Bush. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa has written to the FBI director, Christopher Wray, and the Justice Department's internal watchdog to request information about a raid on the home of a former FBI contractor who gave the watchdog documents related to former Secretary of State Clinton and the sale of Canadian mining company Uranium One to a Russian firm subsidiary. According to the Daily Caller, 16 FBI agents raided the Maryland home of Dennis Nathan Kane on the 19th of November. Kane, his lawyer, Michael um, Sakaras said uh, was accused of possessing stolen federal property. In response, Kane reportedly claimed that he was a protected whistleblower under federal law recognized by the Department of Justice watchdog Michael Horowitz. The documents in question allegedly show that federal officials failed to investigate possible criminal activity related to Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, and Rosatom, the Russian nuclear company whose subsidiary purchased Uranium One in 2013. And former CBS CEO Les Moonves is resigned in who resigned in September following a slew of misconduct allegations made against him, destroyed evidence related to the case, according to a report released last night. Moonves to 69 was trying to save his reputation at the network and his multi-million dollar severance package when he misled investigators working on behalf of the company. The New York Times reported, citing a 59 page report drafted for the CBS board. The draft, according to the Times, said Moonves engaged in multiple acts of serious non-consensual uh, sexual misconduct in and outside of the workplace, both before and after he came to CBS in 1995. And on this day in 2008, the Labor Department reports that an alarming half million jobs vanished in November of 2008 as unemployment hits a 15-year high of 6.7%. And on this day in 1932, German physicist Albert Einstein is granted a visa, making it possible for him to travel to the United States. And on this day, way back in 1776, the first scholastic fraternity in America was formed. Phi Beta Kappa is organized at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Later in our second hour, we're going to share some moving excerpts from the state funeral earlier today in Washington at the National Cathedral for Bush 41. We're also going to talk with Laura Adams. Uh, who is a safety analyst to help us with some tips on how to prepare for the uh, winter months. And Gary Hemingway, Gospel Christmas coming to the Arlen Schnitzer Concert Hall this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast.
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, today, of course, the state funeral for the former president was held in Washington, and his body lies in state in his beloved Houston, Texas, at St. Martin's Episcopal Church, where he and uh, his wife attended for uh, a couple of decades, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. Earlier in the day, his uh, son uh, offered a... Uh, uh, eulogy. There were other dignitaries at the uh, funeral uh, marking his passing. George Herbert Walker Bush had an enormous legacy. It was honored by a procession of said dignitaries and family members at the state funeral there. Referencing his late mother, George W. Bush, um, also referencing his sister who died young, said, in our grief, let us smile knowing that dad is hugging Robin and holding mom's hand again, which is the one thing he said his father longed to do since his wife's passing. The 43rd president also drew laughter with the anecdotes about his father, revealing how Bush's uh, confidant James Baker recently secretly brought vodka and snakes into the hospital suite. To us, he was a close, uh, he was close to perfect, he said, but not totally perfect. His short game was lousy. He wasn't exactly Fred Astaire on the dance floor. The man couldn't stomach vegetables, especially broccoli. And by the way, he passed these genetic defects on to us. One longtime friend, a fellow world leader and a historian, also delivered eulogies for Bush. He served as the president, vice president, CIA director, and fought uh, in World War II. John uh, Meacham, who wrote the Bush biography, said George Herbert Walker Bush was America's last great soldier statesman, a 20th century founding father. Uh, I believe it will be um, it will be said that no occupant of the Oval Office was more courageous, more principled and more honorable than George Herbert Walker Bush. Former Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney said um, uh, Wyoming Senator Alan Simpson, a longtime family friend, said friend rather said in George Bush's uh, theme of life during all the highs and lows was a simple credo. Uh, what would we do without family and friends? Um, and he lived by that. One interesting letter that uh, has surfaced that was written by the former president, and of course he is known for um, having done a significant amount of writing, letters and so on, a lost art uh, today. But the letter was um, uh, written in December of 2009, and the recipient was former IBM CEO Sam Palmisano, And it simply said this, I cannot single out the one greatest challenge in my life. I have had a lot of challenges and my advice to young people might be as follows. Don't get down when your life takes a bad turn. Out of adversity comes challenge and often success. Don't blame others for your setbacks. When things go well, always give credit to others. Don't uh, talk all the time. Listen to your friends and mentors and learn from them. Don't brag about yourself. Let others point out your virtue, your strong points. That's a lesson that he learned from his mother who quoted the scripture uh, making that point. Give someone else a hand. When a friend is hurting, show that friend you care. Nobody likes to uh, likes an overbearing big shot, he wrote. As you succeed, be kind to people. Thank those who help you along the way. Don't be afraid to shed a tear when your heart is broken because a friend is hurting. Say your prayers. And it was signed. George Bush. Well, the recipient uh, said this is the essence of President George Herbert Walker Bush, the man, his humility, his humanity. And after I listened over the past few days to his dear friends, people who worked for him or just acquaintances who had encountered with the had encounters with the 41st president. This is all anyone needs to know about his values. And frankly, uh, it is his legacy. Well, he was certainly a man of faith as well and went uh, into eternity, eternity, confident that he would um, be reunited with his beloved wife and daughter and others he loved.
Well, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, yesterday struck down a law that makes it a crime to encourage or induce someone to come to the United States illegally. According to the court, the law violates people's First Amendment rights because it criminalizes a substantial amount of protected expression in relation to its narrow band of uh, legitimacy, prohibited conduct and unprotected expression. Now, this is a law barring people from encouraging uh, people coming uh, to come to the uh, country as illegal aliens um, and uh, barring that kind of communication, we are told by the Ninth Circuit, is unconstitutional. They went on to say, we do not think that any reasonable reading of the statute can exclude speech. To conclude otherwise, we would have to say that encourage does not mean encourage and that a person cannot induce another with words. Judge A. Wallace Tashima wrote in the court's opinion, at the very least, it is clear that the statute potentially criminalizes the simple words spoken to a son, a wife, a parent, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a student, a client. I encourage you to stay here. Judge Marsha Burzon and Andrew Hurwitz agreed with the opinion. And, of course, all three of them um, uh, held to one end of the court's uh, continuum. The case United States of America versus Evelyn uh, Smith was brought about when uh, Ms. Smith, a former immigration attorney in San Jose, California, told her client in the U.S. on visas that they would uh, apply for permanent residency by applying for labor certification from the Department of Labor. According to the press release from 2015 from the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Ms. Smith car- uh, charged each client $5,900 to file the uh, uh, certifications, despite knowing that her clients wouldn't qualify for the benefits under current law. She was eventually found guilty and sentenced to 18 months in jail, as well as a $15,000 fine for encouraging illegal immigration for private financial gain, mail fraud, and willfully contributing to fraudulent tax returns. Now, it's interesting that this was in her professional capacity, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals seemed to suggest that even in that, uh, and uh, done in her professional capacity and at cost, that even under that circumstance, it would not be Permitted. Now, I read in uh, Oregon, the Oregonian slash Oregon Live an interesting headline that uh, puzzled me somewhat, but it simply read, Momentum is building to kill Oregon's kicker rebate. Huh. Momentum is building. I wonder where that's happening. I'm guessing lawmakers who are going to make their way to Salem after the first of the year. But if Oregon economists, they write, if their predictions hold, taxpayers will receive up to $724 million worth of kicker rebates when they file their income taxes in 2020. But momentum is building to end the only in-Oregon approach of issuing such rebates in order to build reserves for schools. Right now, the median Oregonian uh, with roughly $36,000 a year in ingest, uh, adjusted gross income, can expect a tax credit of about $175 in 2020, according to the most recent state revenue forecast in November. But it's possible voters will decide to instead send the money to a rainy day fund for schools that the state could tap during economic downturns. Well, business leaders who gathered in Portland on Monday said polling showed uh, more than 60% of respondents would support such a change. Uh, Jeremy Rogers, vice president of the Oregon Business Council, told attendees at the uh, leadership summit lawmakers could refer the question to voters in the May 2019 election if they act quickly. It was the uh, latest sign that the idea is gaining momentum six years after voters approved ending the kicker uh, rebate 
on corporate taxes. Republican candidate for governor Newt Bueller, a lawmaker and orthopedic surgeon from Bend, expressed support for ending the personal income tax kicker in an interview um, with the Oregonian editorial board back in October, saying, I would be willing to support and have said so in the past diversion of the kicker into a rainy day fund until it's um, built up adequately about 20 percent of the general fund budget or four billion dollars that could be drawn upon to smooth out that revenue cycle. Now, I think one of the first questions or maybe suspicions is a better word uh, that I have with that uh, that idea is whether or not we can rely on if we can believe lawmakers that they would reserve that fund just for that purpose. And I have to admit that I'm a bit skeptical about um, about that. Uh, when you have a revenue stream, uh, you have a, a pot of money. It's very tempting to divert and use to borrow from for other things. And my guess is that would be very tempting to Oregon lawmakers as well. Well, in that same interview back in October, um, Governor Brown, who was a candidate at the time, didn't say whether she supported ending the kicker. Instead, she noted the state was on track to end the current budget with a rainy day fund that would uh, cover just nine percent of the general fund budget. Is it adequate? It's okay, Brown said. Well, it's not clear whether the governor has taken a position on kicker changes since then. Her communications director didn't respond to a request for comment. Under Oregon's constitution, the unique kicker tax rebate is triggered when tax revenues for a two-year budget cycle come in more than 2% above economists' forecast from the start of that cycle. Now, Newt Bueller was not the first Republican to discuss changes in the kicker this year. In June, Senator Tim Nope, also from Ben, said that he expected fellow lawmakers would consider trimming or scrapping it altogether as they look to raise tax revenue next year. As a state representative, he referred a measure to voters that enshrined the kicker in Oregon's Constitution. Now, keep in mind, this is in the context of Oregon's governor having just released her um, uh, budget for the next biennium, and it includes significant tax increases on just about everything she has the authority to uh, increase taxes on. Now, it hasn't been adopted yet, but it's in that context that we're talking about another pot of money that is being at least talked about, if not seriously considered. One of the Oregon uh, kicker's fiercest defenders says he expects lawmakers will consider changing or eliminating the unique tax refund law as they search for revenue next year. One question heading into the legislative session is how high a priority it's going to be for Democrats to change the kicker as they aim to uh, pass major climate change uh, legislation, raise billions in fees and taxes to fund Medicaid and education. Senator Mark Hass, a Democrat out of Beaverton, is chair of the Oregon Senate Committee on Finance and Revenue. On Tuesday, he expressed support for the idea of ending the kicker. He said, I'd love to redirect it to a rainy day fund, um, noting that Oregon's dependence on the income taxes exposes the state to pretty wild fluctuations in uh, in revenue. The next big thing to a uh, best thing rather to um, a major structural reform is to have a strong rainy day fund to cushion and the inevitable downturns we have. It's poor public policy to begin with. Well, Hass didn't say that redirecting the kicker to an education savings fund is a lower priority for him compared to uh, uh, getting a major tax uh, increase through the legislature. Uh, Governor Brown has uh, challenged lawmakers to raise about $2 billion worth of taxes in the 2019 session, roughly the same amount House Speaker Tina Kotek unsuccessfully pushed for lawmakers to raise in 2017. So we'll see how that goes. And depending on uh, your position, whether you support the increase in taxes or you 
are opposed, you need to be listening to what's happening in Salem because the effort will be to raise Oregonians' taxes significantly in the next uh, session, whether or not that includes um, putting the uh, kicker fund into a slush or making it into a slush fund. All right. uh, 30 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we'll talk with Laura Adams. She's a safety analyst. She'll offer some expert tips and advice on how to stay safe on the road. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 34 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I was watching a um, weather report earlier today, and I heard those two dreaded words freezing rain. Now, they did caution that that's probably not going to hit us in this area at this time, but we are entering the winter season and making sure that we are prepared for that is what our conversation will be about. I'm talking about my conversation with Laura Adams. She's a safety analyst at driversed.com, offering some expert tips and advice on how to stay safe on the road during this um, often inclement season. Laura Adams, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, weather is always an issue, and so far we've pretty much been spared here, although it's very, very cold. But we have some unique challenges here in the Pacific Northwest. Rain is always an issue, um, and when it uh, gets cold, we tend to get ice as opposed to uh, snow. What are some of the basic things we need to do, first of all, to winterize our vehicle? I often hear hear that uh, reference, but I'm not sure what it means. What do we need to do to winterize our vehicles? Yeah, it really means making sure that your car is prepared for uh, lower temperatures. So cold weather can be tough on a car. Um, So one of the ways that it does affect you is your battery. Uh, So the the chemical reactions inside your your car battery just simply slow down in cold weather. So you want to make sure that you've got a a fully charged battery. Um, There are a lot of uh, ways you can do that yourself. There's some, uh, you know, meters that you can use or simply uh, certainly taking it to a mechanic. They can double check that for you. Think about all also your wiper blades and your wiper fluid. If you're in uh, rain or, or certainly sleet, you're going to want to make sure that you can see. So having fresh wiper blades is key. They really only last a year or two. Uh, so if you're using them frequently, you, you may need to replace them more often than that and make sure you've got plenty of wiper fluid. Uh, things like snow tires, that's probably not an issue for, for you where you are in the, in the Northwest, but in a lot of areas, um, that's a big deal. So um, also thinking about tires pressure, even if you've got regular tires, think about the fact that cold weather does cause your tires to deflate. Hmm. So that can make them uh, less uh, safe on the road because they're just not going to be able to grip the road properly. So make sure that your your tire pressure is inflated properly. Um, You can either look in the manual of your car or sometimes inside the driver's side door, there's some indications on proper pressure. Um, and also think about um, things like your antifreeze. You know, do you uh, do you have the right mixture oil? Um, in some cases, you may want to switch out your oil to uh, a, a type that is uh, better suited for the cold weather. And supplies, thinking about what's in your car. Do you have a blanket? Do you have some extra water? Some things that could get you through if you were stranded in cold weather. Hmm. It's interesting to consider how the temperature can have an impact on the function of the battery as well as um, the pressure on the tire is something I had never considered. 
Yeah, even your belts and hoses, uh, they can weaken in the cold weather. So, you know, any type of wear and tear that's going on during the year, it can just really be amplified during the cold weather. So it's a great time of year to just take your car in for a quick checkup, have a mechanic, you know, quote, winterize it. They'll look over all these things that we're talking about and just make sure that it's in good shape, especially if you plan on taking any long road trips. Over the holidays, you know, if you're if you're going to see friends or family that are a long way away, you definitely don't want to be stranded. Um, so when you are taking those road trips, make sure that you keep an extra battery for your phone in your car, an extra uh, phone charger, so that you could always contact emergency help if you needed it. Mm, very good points. Now, one of the challenges, or uh, some of the challenges, are the road itself. That if uh, if there's a lot of rain, if there's ice on the road, or if there's snow, uh, obviously snow tires are, are helpful in the event that there uh, there is snow. And there are parts of Oregon where that is an issue. But what about uh, uh, standing water uh, that's a result of heavy rains, which we're more um, likely to experience? Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that you really slow down. Um, Any level of water can cause you to slip and slide. So it is important to make sure that you're watching the speed limit. And and that's the limit, you know, stay well below that if you're at all uncertain about what the depth of that water is. Um, And and you bring up a good point, you know, when bare bridges and elevated roads, um, remember that if it does ice over, it's going to be colder up on that bridge than it is down on the road. So there's going to be more ice as you go on overpasses and bridges if you are in cold weather. So definitely slow down as you go over those overpasses and bridges. One of the things we've been dealing with all across the country is the notion of distracted driving. It's not just people on their phones. It's people doing other things as well. And I would imagine, given the the hazards of the winter month driving, that that can become an even more serious uh, issue. For example, your need to stop quickly Uh, in a situation where you're not just driving on dry pavement could pose some serious problems. Absolutely. This is a dangerous time of year, not only because of all of the the hazards on the road, uh, but people are celebrating during the holidays. You've got a rise of drinking and driving and, and marijuana use and driving. And you've also got distractions, which are a problem all year round. So, you know, if you layer all of those problems on top of each other, it means that December can be a very deadly time of year if you are not paying attention. Uh, we do know that alcohol-related uh, fatalities increase during the month of December, particularly around the week of Christmas and, uh, of course, on New Year's Eve. So watch what you're doing. Really pay attention to your driving habits this time of year and, you know, be a good role model also for your kids. I recommend just putting your phone in the glove compartment when you get in the car so it's not a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Now, this uh, this is a season, I would imagine, like any other when it comes to new drivers who are just uh, learning to drive or who have just uh, gained their uh, driver's license. Any tips for those new drivers to help keep them safe during the uh, their first winter behind the wheel? Yeah, it really is about education for those young and, and inexperienced drivers. Um, I would recommend taking a look at driversed.com. Um, it is the number one online driving school. So there are courses there for new drivers that are looking to get their permit. There are also defensive driving classes there for new drivers, um, even classes for mature and older drivers as well to keep hmm. their skills sharp. Um, so it's something that you really want to brush up on if you feel like you've got kids that are just not quite prepared for 
for winter driving or you yourself feel a little rusty, um, it, it's a great time to, to brush up on those skills and make sure that you can be safe out there. You know, I appreciate knowing that because I think most of us, when we think about uh, driver's ed, we think of a high school student who's getting credit while in school. But what you've described really uh, has the potential to help any driver, whether we're seasoned uh, or if we're uh, just starting out, and to um, reflect on some of the challenges that are unique to driving in our area. Absolutely. And the beauty of online, of course, is that you can take that education when it's convenient for you, you know, 24-7 and kind of work it into your schedule. Um, so I, I love that ability to kind of stop and start as you need it. Um, so it, it's just a really great resource. Even if you've got a ticket, you know, if you uh, did get some kind of moving violation, um, passing a, a driver's ed class can help you clean up your driving record. So getting those points off your record can help you reduce your auto insurance premium. So it, it can also be about saving money. And in some cases, you can even get a discount for auto insurance just by showing that you passed a driver safety course, no matter your age. Oh, that's, again, excellent to know. Well, again, that website is driversed.com for more information. And uh, whether you're just a teenager or you're somebody who's been driving for quite some time, it's a good resource to help all of us stay safer on the road. And I think uh, we want to emphasize defensive driving as well. You mentioned that during the holiday, that tends to be where there's more alcohol and other substances that can impair driving uh, can be found. And for those of us who are trying to stay safe, we need to be very vigilant and uh, be defensive in how we uh, conduct ourselves on the road under those circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we did a recent survey at driversed.com, and we found that 23% of the respondents said that they are drinking more typically during the holidays. 9% said they tend to smoke marijuana or ingest marijuana more frequently during the holidays. So, you know, if people are going to be celebrating. There's no, no getting around that. Um, so if you are at a party, um, you know, watch out for those around you. If you've got somebody with you, a friend, a family member, and you know they shouldn't be driving, get an Uber or a Lyft for them. Uh, you know, give them some opportunities to get home without having to get behind the wheel. Maybe even just spend the night, you know, if the yeah. host is, is willing to have you stay just spend the night or, or get an Uber and then deal with your car the next day. That can save you, you know, a world of potential problems. Yeah, today there really is no excuse. There are so many options available if you are inebriated. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Have a happy holiday. You too. Again, Laura Adams is a safety analyst at driversed.com. You might want to check them out if you need to brush up on your skills, uh, get your insurance um, costs reduced, or just learn how to drive in a safe way. All right, 45 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we'll talk with Gary Hemenway. He's the uh, choir director for Gospel uh, Christmas, which is coming up this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the uh, Schnitzer, Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, if you've been in Portland for more than 15 minutes, you know that this weekend is the premier event this summer, the Gospel Christmas. And this year, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. Gary Hemenway is the music director of the Northwest Community Gospel Chorus. He's also a good friend and a great musician. He joins us today to uh, talk a little bit about this upcoming weekend and the fun that will be had by the Oregon Symphony and the Northwest Community gospel chorus. Gary Hemenway, welcome. George! <laughs> How are you? I'm doing really well. It's good to hear your voice. 
I can't believe it's the 20th anniversary of Gospel Christmas. I know, crazy, huh? Well, it, 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 we're still kind of pinching ourselves. We spent quite a bit of time this week um, reminiscing, and it, 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 I mean, we've forgotten so much of what's happened, but 20 years of anything is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. So. It really is. Now, I've bragged on gospel musicians in the Portland metro area before, uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the choir and some of the soloists who will be featured this time around. Well, it's it's been um, really a, an amazing you know history to watch people grow as musicians. And when we started out, everybody was you know um, they really were amateurs in that they weren't making a living at it. But now we have all these vocalists. Um, in particular, and our rhythm section, they're all making a, 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 a lot of them are making a living as as musicians. So you have Saida Wright, who of course toured with Prince, and and um, you have Jerry Harris on on bass guitar, who who uh, is still working with Israel Houghton and a number of other people. Um, uh, Alonzo Chadwick, who now is finding a, a lot of favor with other symphony orchestras around the country, and people are finding that he's just a marvelous tenor. Uh, voice. Um, of course, uh, a Portland staple is Marilyn Keller, mm-hmm. who's a fabulous jazz and gospel singer. She's coming back this year. Tracy Harris. Uh, Tracy Harris Woods, um, one of the finest vocalists that I think has ever come out of Portland. Absolutely. Just phenomenal vocalist um, and uh, a really dear woman. So um, it's just it's just going to be a, a really great show with a lot of great vocalists and musicians. So now this Friday is the first performance of the 2018 Gospel Christmas, and for people who come, uh, they see a, a choir that is well presented. The orchestra, of course, is always wonderful to hear. But there's a lot of work that goes into uh, the opening curtain, if you will. Uh, when you have that many musicians coordinating with a symphony, how long does the Gospel Christmas Choir rehearse leading up to Friday's performance that runs through the weekend? Well, we we usually uh, establish uh, our, our rehearsals in October. Um, we um, rehearse three or four times, then I give them a week off. Uh, it's a total of, of eight rehearsals that I have with the choir alone. And uh, and then um, uh, this last Monday, uh, the rhythm section comes in, um, one from Salt Lake City, two from Houston, and we work with them for two nights. And then today we have the day off, and tomorrow night we have one dress rehearsal with the orchestra, and then we do the three shows. Yeah, it's just incredible. Now, Charles Floyd is going to be the conductor once again of the Northwest Community Gospel uh, Chorus. And the performance, uh, the first performance begins this Friday at 7.30 p.m., followed by Saturday's performance also at 7.30 and Sunday, 4 o'clock. That's it. Three performances for the 20th anniversary of of Gospel Christmas. There's a lot packed into that. And I, I have to say that Everyone I've ever spoken to who's seen it, and I'm among those who have uh, seen the Gospel Christmas, it's it's a great, rousing introduction to Christmas and to gospel music. Yeah. How do you choose and the this, music? This, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say this show, it's our 20th anniversary, and this show is, it, it is, I don't think I'm being overstated when I say gargantuan. It, I mean, the music is is fabulous and huge. It's a big, big program, and we've been... I've been spending a lot of time talking with vocalists about um, saving their voices. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, 
it, it's a lot of work. Um, how we choose the music, uh, Charles and I usually start that process after the last show. So we'll this Sunday um, we'll do you know the curtain will be drawn and um, there's a big reception to celebrate the the 20th. We're going to do that and then we myself and he and um, uh, Susan Nielsen who is has been the director of operations and now she has a new title uh, um, director of I think pop music or something like that for the symphony. We usually go out and have a, a wrap up dinner and we start talking about music and he and I are passing files back and forth all year long mm-hmm. um, and, you know, slowly putting together um, hopefully a, a program that the audience is really going to enjoy and that the, and the choir, that the choir can really sink their teeth into. So, well, and I, you know, I didn't spend much time, but for those who are not familiar with Gary Hemingway, my first question would be, where have you been? But the, the second thing I would say is you are such a gifted musician. You've served in the Portland metro area. You're now up in, uh, or is it up or down in Walla Walla uh, doing work there as well? But you um, yeah. are skilled at classical, gospel, jazz, pop, rock. You've done film scores. You've worked with very impressive people. I think you were a child prodigy. But uh, I, I might have to back that up. But just a, a real gifted musician and to work with uh, folks here in the Oregon Symphony is re- a real gift to us. So I just personally want to say thank you uh, for the uh, uh, the role that you have played in Gospel Christmas and certainly in our community in general as a gifted musician. That's very kind of you, George. Thanks so much. It, uh, I'm I'm honestly um, you know honored and and humbled to I've been with the the concert series now this is my 18th season and it it really has been a, a wonderful um thing and i can't think of anything that'd be better except for maybe if we could get you on the other side of the microphone next. <laughs> well it's on my bucket mm-hmm. list <laughs> yeah your bucket list i know i know that there's another another you know holiday um tradition that you're a part of you, you just like that big old dress that they get <laughs> We would love to have you. I know I bug you every time I see you or hear you. Well, it's on the bucket list, and we, we will work that out at some point. But for this year, there is no um, no need of another musician. You've got great soloists. There, a lot of them are my friends. Some of them are my um, actual relatives. Uh, that comes up this Friday, 7.30 p.m. And my understanding is the best seats and prices are available for Friday night. Uh, so you need to call the Oregon Symphony now or go online and get those tickets. You can go to orsymphony.org slash concerts and find out all the important details. But as I mentioned, Friday night, 730, Saturday night, 730, Sunday at 4 o'clock, and that's it. You have three opportunities. My guess is if you show up on Friday, you're going to want to invite some folks to come back on Saturday or Sunday. So get in uh, early and get as many tickets as you can. It's going to be a great night of great music. Well, Gary, what would you tell our uh, our listeners about what to anticipate for Gospel Christmas 20th anniversary? I, I think you should uh, ex- expect to see uh, a very energetic program with um, some of, uh, quite possibly, the, the best soloists outside of George, of course, um, <laughs> uh, uh, that, that Portland has to offer. Um, with a, a Grammy-nominated orchestra, a fabulous conductor, Dr. Charles Charles uh, Floyd is just one of the best in yeah. the country, and um, and um, there, there's probably going to be some tears. There's a beautiful uh, film that we're going to show at the front part of the of the concert, and um, you really you really don't want to miss this um, 
um, this concert, if at all possible. So. Well, Gary, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and we hope that the auditorium is filled for all three performances, and I can hardly wait for the 21st. Well, thanks, George. Make sure you tell Dan hi for me. I will do that. I will do that. And you tell Clarice I said hello, too. I'll do that. Okay. Thank you. Gary Hemingway, against, he is the choral director for the uh, Gospel Christmas. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary, and uh, everything that goes on in that program will reflect that anniversary. Again, you can go online to the Oregon um, Symphony at orsymphony.org slash concerts, and you can purchase your tickets there. But this is one of the hot events uh, of the uh, of the calendar for the Oregon Symphony. And by the way, that's at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall right here in Portland. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour and then a special second hour. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.